Hey, everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 125 of the John Riley Project. It is Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. Thanks for joining us. This is a podcast all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We're brought to you by PowayStore.com. That's our episode sponsor, PowayStore.com. Man, we got a lot going on. We're going to really get into the stimulus bill and talk about how it's impacting small businesses. And I'm going to share a story of how it's impacting me. And um, also want to get into Bernie Sanders. He dropped out. And wow, that's big news. And what does that mean for the presidential race? And so I want to share my thoughts there as well. So, wow, let's get into it. So, um, you know, a little update on my world here. You know, I'm I'm at home and I you know I have a small business and that's I'm talking about you know we have the this the stimulus opportunity and I'm trying to figure that out I'm chasing that down you know I'm working from home here and I've got my clients and I'm you know trying to focus on satisfying my customers and through this process I've lost quite a bit of business just like a lot of people out there that have been suffering through this crisis this is economic shutdown to a great degree um, is it it's affected me I'm sure it's affected you it certainly probably has affected your uh, loved ones, your friends and family. Um, so it, it's just brutal out there and it's tough. And so, you know, our family, we're kind of hunkering down, you know, um, my, I have both of my uh, young adult children are home right now. You know, my my daughter works up in San Francisco, but, you know, she has the uh, shelter in place, which started before San Diego. She came down here to be with family during this time. My son is home and he's studying online. And, and even this week, my wife, who works in the healthcare industry, um, she gets to work from home this week, which is really amazing, very innovative. They've never done that for her before, but, you know, these are extreme times. So, you know, suddenly I, I used to have this house to myself during the afternoons, and now suddenly the whole family's here, all four of us. It's all good. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice way to go through this crisis together. But, um, you know, I, I'm like basically – just maybe like you, sort of feeling like you're trapped in your house and I don't get out much. So other than my daily walk, you know, which lately has been taken off the table with the rain and the foul weather. But, you know, I've typically uh, with it, with the exception of my daily walk, I don't leave the house. Um, so it, it's like I'm in a, a bubble, not just a figurative bubble, but like a physical bubble. Um, so, yeah. And then the other crazy thing that's going on in my world is our roof is leaking and there's raining. And so, we, you know, we scheduled the roofers to come out here back in February. And this was the soonest they could be here, you know, back here in the corner of the podcast studio. Um, you'll see if you were here, I have like some coolers here and, you know, a couple of big pots and towels where it captures the little drip, drip, drip that comes off the off the ceiling. Uh, so I was all fired up for them to come on Monday and then they canceled. Now we're rescheduled for Friday. So let's hope they fix the roof. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm just living in my own little peculiar bubble and uh, just kind of work on my way through it. But, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to really focus on as a small business owner is to figure out this whole stimulus thing, because we're hearing on the news that there's all this big money that's going to all these major corporations. And now suddenly Trump has a slush fund and apparently he fired the organ or the or the um the watchdog of the of the of the slush fund, and now you know everyone's accusing Trump of cronyism. But this is all the big money for the big corporations. Um, but for all of us little guys, all of us small business owners, 
you know, no, we don't have like, you know, a, a, I don't have like a chief financial officer. I don't have a corporate attorney. I don't have a team I can deploy to lobby Congress or to help the figure help us figure it out. We got to figure it out on our own, which is all right. So that's what I've been doing. So over the weekend, I went to the SBA website, the Small Business Administration. And if you go to SBA.gov, they've got a program there called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And this is a loan the small business can get up to $10,000. And it's almost uh, certainly going to be forgivable. So it's like a grant. It'll turn into a grant. Um, And I applied for that. And I had to actually give them my... um, Previous 12 months of revenue prior to the incident starting, which I think was on January 31st, maybe that's when – is that when they declared a state of emergency? I can't remember. Uh, but I had to figure out my my revenue for the previous 12 months um, from January 31st, and then I also had to calculate my cost of goods sold. And you know, thank goodness I got QuickBooks and I could figure it out in an instant. And I filled out my form online, submitted it to the SBA, and we're going to see what happens. So I'm hopeful that um, you know there might be grant money coming my way. But you know, I figure I pay so much in taxes. I got to figure out how I can get some of that back. Um, I got to, you know, essentially play the game just like everyone else is. But, you know, I'm on my own here. I got to figure this out. Well, there's a second program, and this is where it got a lot more interesting. And it's called the Paycheck Protection Program, or you sometimes hear it by its initials, PPP. And this program is a little it's a lot more complex. The, the, the money is, is actually delivered not from the government or the SBA directly to cut to businesses, but it's channeled through major banks, you know, or lenders, actually not even the big ones, but even some of the smaller ones too. And the way that I understood it is, is that they had about, was it 350 billion, I think, um, out of the total stimulus, which is like 2.2 trillion, I think, which is just an enormous amount of money. Um, so what they've done is they've, they've allocated this money to the banks and then the banks have to set up their own process. And the whole thing is just a cluster. Banks are struggling, trying to figure this out. Meanwhile, President Trump's at his press conferences saying how great it's going, but it's not going great. So I bank at Wells Fargo. I've been a customer for my business checking account there for over 20 years. And so um, I've been, I was figuring out what was going on. And so on Monday, I sat down, I go, okay, I'm going to apply for this. And I go on wellsfargo.com and I go to the part where I I have to fill everything in. And I I get to the program, the Paycheck Protection Program at Wells Fargo. And they say, oh, sorry, we're full. It's like that scene in uh, um, uh, Vacation where Chevy Chase and the family show up to Wally World and John Candy's there. He says, sorry, folks, park's closed. So that's what happened to me. I mean, it was like Wells Fargo. They had a, a, a letter on the, on the web page that said, we're sorry. Over the weekend, I guess they turned, the, turned it on on Friday night. So Saturday and Sunday, over the weekend, it was just overwhelmed, a flood of businesses applying for this program that it just overwhelmed their servers. They got so many applications that it would take them forever to process them. And they know that with that number of applications, it would easily um, eat up the $10 billion that they were allocated. So they figured we can't do anymore. And so I was like, this is crazy. And so I um, was trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do? 
And, and I thought, well, I'm not going to call customer service for, you know, at Wells Fargo. It's going to be ridiculous. And I thought, well, maybe I should go into my bank and actually talk to a human. But I'm thinking, oh, man, it's the whole COVID things going on. And, you know, it's like walking outside. It's almost like you're it's Armageddon or it's like a sci-fi movie. And I'm not sure if the bank is open and what's going on. So I was thinking, OK, I got to go talk to them and I got to figure this out. So. I went on Tuesday and, and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the bank and I got to run a couple of errands on my trip. And I go down to you know, the shopping center in Poway. There's a Target and there's a Wells Fargo branch there and there's a postal annex there where I get all my mail. I've talked about good old Dennis that works at Postal Annex, which is a great guy. So I figured, okay, I got a trifecta there. I can take care of all my business. And so I drive down there on Tuesday and uh, – it, you know, the parking lot is normally like 80 to 90 percent full. It's probably 10 percent full. It's just crazy circumstances. A lot of the businesses are closed. Um, there's, you know, a little bit of cars parked in front of the bank, a little bit of cars parked in front of Target. And that's kind of it. So I thought, oh, OK, I'm going to go into Wells Fargo first. So I go in there and. First of all, I haven't been out of the house much other than going on my walk. So I'm not even prepared. I haven't gotten a face mask yet and I've got to get that figured out. And so I felt a little self-conscious because I wasn't really completely following the rules. Although I know the face mask is not mandatory yet. I think it's going to become mandatory on Friday. Um, So I figured, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to go with it and I'll just be careful and we'll see how it works. So I go into the Bank of America and All the employees have got gloves on, masks on, which is, I guess, what you could expect. And I didn't go up to the teller window. I went over to the side, you know, where the the people that set up your accounts, you sit at a desk and they figure things out. So I talked to one of the guys there and they said, yeah, there's nothing we can do. Um, It's corporate. And yeah, all the money has been allocated and that's it. And and then we started talking further and, and it was interesting because... Wells Fargo is one of the biggest banks in the United States, and they only got $10 billion out of the, what was it, $350 billion? I'm thinking, how is that possible? And I looked it up, and sure enough, yeah, Wells Fargo is the third largest bank in America, you know, in terms of assets. So you would think that Wells Fargo would have gotten $50 billion, $80 billion, something like that, not just $10 billion. No wonder they got so many applications, they maxed out. So we were like, you know, talking about this. And he said, yeah, we think the reason is, is because the scandals that happened a number of years ago. And you remember that's when the Wells Fargo was caught in the scandal of creating all these fake accounts. And I think it was some unethical salespeople that they had a contest and they were trying to create new accounts. They created these fake ones in, in other customers' names, um, and that they got busted for it. And so the federal government continuing to make a, a, um, an example out of them. But what this ends up hurting are the people that it's supposed to help. This stimulus program is supposed to go out to small businesses. We have to go to our banks to get that. Here I am, like you know, a one or two man company. I show up and it's full. They're maxed out. And then I asked him, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? And he says, well, you'll have to go to another bank. But it's going to be hard because all those other banks are going to want to service their own customers first. And I thought, well, okay, that makes sense. So then do I just go to the back of the line and then maybe I won't get anything? So I couldn't believe it. I was like furious because, I mean, I pay so much in taxes 
And then to see all these big companies, you know, the the you know, they're talking about giving, you know, hundreds, you know, excuse me, you know, 10 billion. I don't know what the number is, but just huge amounts of money that are going to these large corporations like Boeing. And they're talking about bailing out hotels and cruise ship companies and all these other major corporations that are being damaged by this this crisis. And they are being damaged. But they're the ones getting all the big money. And us little guys, we got to, you know, kind of scramble for the scraps. And then they cut you off. And the federal government cut me off. Essentially, they cut Wells Fargo off, which effectively cut me off. So I was just furious. And um, the guy at Wells Fargo, he was very handy or helpful. And he, he said, here's a bank. You can contact them. And they're in La Jolla. They might take you. We don't know. But we've had conversations with them. Maybe they can help you. I'm like, OK, great. So there's nothing really I can do. So I left the bank and I was just I was just, you know, incensed. So I figured, okay, I got to go into Target. I've got to pick up something for my fine wife. And I walked through the parking lot and I got, I'm thinking, uh oh, now I'm going into Target. I don't have a face mask on. And I'm walking around and probably like 10 to 20% of the people don't have masks. About 80% of them do. And I'm feeling like a black sheep. You know, I'm kind of feeling like a, I'm sticking out. And uh, you know, everyone was fine. I got what I needed. The store was very, you know, very few people in the store, um, got what I needed and left. And I asked them, I say, by the way, do you sell any masks? Do you sell any bandanas? And they said, nope, sorry, we're sold out. I'm thinking, okay, great. Um, I should have watched, I should have executed on one of those YouTube videos where people talked about how to cut up certain types of clothing and make a mask out of it. So um, I ended up leaving Target, went over to visit my buddy Dennis at Postal Annex, got my mail, one of my customers paid me, which was great. And then I worked my way back to Wells Fargo, deposited the check into the ATM. And you still feel kind of creepy, you know, because you're using your hands to touch the ATM buttons. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is how the coronavirus is transmitting. And, and you kind of want to use your your knuckle. And, and then because I haven't been out of the house and I'm I'm like a fish out of water. I haven't been out of the house since Saturday. And I think prior to that, I hadn't been out of the house the whole week before. And so, and then I'm walking around and I was in Target. I remember I was feeling like, ooh, I, yeah, I, I didn't want to breathe the air. It was, it was just that kind of a feeling. Um, I felt like I was walking, like walking around in a, what movie was that? Was it, uh, it wasn't Fahrenheit 451, but it was, no, the Andromedia strain. <laughs> it was that, it felt like that. Like it was some creepy science fiction movie that um, I had to be careful of where I was walking around. Um and and I ended up coming home and I just had this feeling like I had to rush in. The first thing I had to do is wash my hands, wash my face. It was just crazy. And I, have you have you experienced anything like that? I, I saw a, a guy here in Poway. He was talking about a story that he went out to the tractor supply store in Ramona um, and he felt the same way. He felt like he, it was dirty, you know, wherever he was walking. And it's all we're making this up in our minds. I mean, sure, there's a virus and I got you, but we're making it feel like we're walking through this fog of toxic waste. <laughs> That's what we feel like. So it's just a trippy thing. Um, and so then I ended up coming back to the house and then I called that bank and it's a, it's a company, it's a bank in La Jolla. And I talked to them and they said, oh yeah, but we're only going to service our own customers first. We'd be happy to give you an email and you can send a note there and then maybe you can get an application. And I think they were called, was it private 
Capital.Bank, I think was the name of the company. It's in La Jolla. And so um, I got the email. Short, sure enough, like about a couple hours later, I got an email from him with an application. I'm like, am I going to really apply here? I don't know these guys from Adam. And I'm going to be at the end of the line. And it's probably I won't even get I won't get funded anyways. Well, thank goodness I saw in the news today that the federal government lift the cap for Wells Fargo. And now they're going to allow them to get another tranche of cash and they'll be able to satisfy people like me that got cut off. So um, I immediately went on to wellsfargo.com and all I had to do really was put in my my contact information and they're going to get back to me with some information. But at least I got my name in there and I'm in line. So um, it, it's 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 crazy. And I mean, this whole this whole stimulus is just a complete boondoggle. It, it, it's you could tell like the way the system is set up that it's been manipulated, you know, to favor some businesses and to disfavor other businesses. And that's the whole idea of this slush fund for Trump. And then they can pick what businesses they want to they want to stroke. And, you know, it's all that cronyism where whoever gives them the most money and campaign contributions are the ones that they're going to turn around and put money in their back pocket through the stimulus. And then it just makes you wonder if this sort of thing has been kind of planned, but then sitting on a shelf waiting for the next crisis. And then once the next crisis hit, boom, here comes the stimulus and it's already configured and here we go. That's the way it feels to me that all of these large corporations have rigged the system, have manipulated the system. And little guys like one biz, one man business, two man business, we're the ones that we're fighting for the scraps and we're lucky if we get anything. Um, so it's interesting is I, this, this guy that I follow, he shared this, this data and I verified it and it's order of magnitude. This is accurate. Corporations paid $200 billion in federal income taxes and will receive $880 billion from the stimulus. Meanwhile, the American people paid $1.7 trillion in federal income taxes and will receive approximately $250 billion in checks from the stimulus package. So basically, the corporations are getting way more in stimulus then they pay in taxes. And for the people, it's the exact opposite. They're getting way less in stimulus than they pay in taxes. This whole thing is friggin' rigged. And it's it's corporate welfare and it's a disaster. So I'm like, as a small business owner, I'm kind of playing both sides of this. From a po- political perspective, from a principled perspective, I strongly disagree with these programs because for all the reasons that I've already articulated, but as a as a pragmatic business owner, I've got to get in line. I've got to get that money. Uh, if it's available, if they're handing it out, I would be a fool not to take advantage of that, especially since I'm already paying for it with my tax dollars. So it's, it's kind of a funky thing, but um, it's just so discouraging the way the system is so warped, so distorted. And then we get the news today, um, and I think actually it was from last night, the city of Poway, which is the city that I live in here in um, in San Diego County. Uh, some some people think we're North County Inland, and there's another contingent that, can, that say Poway is East County, and that's a whole other controversy here, especially amongst the Padre fans in San Diego, but I digress. So our mayor, Steve Voss, who I've talked about a lot on this podcast, the man in the cowboy hat. 
Um, he was they're doing the city council meetings now all through Zoom, and he's got his cowboy hat on in the council chambers, and he's wearing a bandana, looking like a train robber as the mayor of Poway. So this is what's happening. It's it's just you can't write a better script for this. Um, so Mayor Voss is proposing to use two million dollars of the city's reserve funds to offer bridge loans to small Poway businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. The loans would be up to $50,000 to a single business and would allow the business to stay afloat until it could receive other federal or state funds. Businesses would not need to take the maximum amount offered. So this is, yeah, like a bridge loan. It's a short-term loan because then once the federal stimulus money comes in, then they can pay back the loan and and everything's clean. So sounds like, you know, a, a good thing, right? You think that's a good thing. Um, now, granted, $2 million in a city of Poway probably isn't going to go very far. I mean, if they have a $50,000 limit to a single business, if that maxed out, I think you could only give loans to 40 businesses, but it won't max out. So maybe they give loans to 50 to 100 businesses. I don't know, something like that. It sounds nice, right? Well, it, I read further in the article in PomeradoNews.com. The loans will be available to independently owned Poway businesses with fewer than 50 employees. Okay, so you got to be independently owned and you got to have less than 50 employees. And so that's kind of the thing, right? They all want to help out mom and pop, right? You know, because that's where they, they get the sympathies of the people. Um, but franchise owners will not be eligible for the loans, Hey, wait a minute. Why can't – I mean, franchise owners, they're, they're local people in our community. And so um, – and then Barry Leonard, who's one of the city council members, he said that many franchises in Poway are locally owned. But Mayor Steve Voss argued that franchise owners would have other resources available to them, and he wanted to help, quote, the folks that made Poway unique and put, quote, their blood, sweat, and tears into opening their businesses. So if you just sort of gloss over this, you think, oh, yeah, the franchise guys, they got their big corporation and they'll help them out. But we really want to help out these small independent companies. Well, the problem with this is, is that, well, first of all, the city shouldn't be loaning money to the businesses in the first place. That's not their role. If they need financial help, there's other programs that are available for them. Secondly, if the city government is going to have a $2 million slush fund, they're going to be able to pick and choose. They're going to be able to pick winners and pick losers. And they've already said that the franchise owners are losers. So they're already picking and choosing. Um, They're already showing inequality under the law. Some get favors. Some are denied. And government's supposed to treat everybody equally. That's why they shouldn't be in the business of doing loans. Financial people should do loans. And – and then these franchise owners, I mean, have you ever seen the business model for a franchise? They have to pay a ton of money. I mean, sometimes like a hundred grand or more just to buy the franchise. And then the franchise has to pay a certain percentage of their revenue back to corporate. So a lot of these franchise owners are upside down. They're losing money. And yet they're local people. They're local people here that live in our community and have kids that play Little League or maybe used to play a little league since that's all been shut down, but they're people, the friends in our, in our communities and that own these businesses that have put their own blood, sweat, and tears into their business. And now they're being denied. You're like, 
what the hell? So um, this is similar to the the other you know deal where the um, the mayor Voss was proposing loaning money to um, homeowners to build granny flats on their house and then participating in the revenue share of the rental income that comes from the uh, granny flats. Again, uh, the city acting like a bank and picking winners and losers, uh, just crazy. So every I see everyone is trying, or at least they're putting up the presentation that they want to help people in this crisis. But really what's happening is, is that some people are being rewarded at the expense of others. Those franchise owners pay taxes in the city of Poway, but yet they are um, not eligible for that. They're either paying it directly or indirectly, either through their rent and the rent goes to the property owner and the property owner pays the property tax, which goes to the city. Um, but the city's picking winners and looters, losers, just like the federal government is. So it's just nuts. The whole thing is just crazy. Um, so the only thing you can really do is you got to scramble. You got to figure it out. If people are handing out money, you got to find out how you can get access to it and um, and then you know move on from that. Because if you don't, if you either put your head in the sand or you you refuse to take it because you don't like the policy, well, then suddenly you lose. I mean, the money's already taken out of your wallet that you pay in taxes. And then when the when you have a chance to get it back, well, you have to take advantage of it. So, um, wow. All right. So uh, let me cool off for a minute. I want to talk about uh, just a big shout out to our sponsor, PowayStore.com. And I just saw that they just released a couple of new products and these are called neck gaiters. And they're these um, cloth, like a stretchable nylon cloth, or maybe it's cotton. I'm not sure that you can then pull over your face and it ask, acts like a mask. And they've got two of them, one of them with an imprint of a photograph of Lake Poway and another one with an imprint of a photograph of Iron Mountain. So these are two Poway neck gaiters that actually act like face masks. And you can use them during this COVID crisis. Kind of cool. So the, they just uh, released that earlier today. And they asked me to get this out on the podcast. So I'm very happy to do that. They've also got T-shirts and coffee mugs and sweatshirts and all kinds of other fun things, all with different Poway logos, you know, the city and the country. So check out PowayStore.com. Uh, great sponsor here for the John Riley Project. Um, Okay, now we talk about Bernie. So we got the news that Bernie Sanders finally decided to hang it up. He's decided to suspend his campaign. And it's it must be tough, man. I mean, he is probably bitter from 2016 because he got screwed over there by the DNC. And it's looking like that's happening again. And now with the whole coronavirus uh, situation, he can't really campaign. So he's been sort of... Hidden. I know he's made a couple of appearances on television. I think he had a, a, a virtual town hall, if I recall. But he's been more or less off the spotlight. And frankly, Joe Biden has been largely missing, too. It's been just the Trump show and his daily press conferences, which he's turned into a circus, just like his his big rallies that he has. He's been able to transform that into a how should I say this? A more presidential version of those crazy rallies. Um, so anyways, I just want to talk about Bernie just a little bit. I'm Bernie is a guy that I've always had great respect for. I don't agree with him on a lot of things, a ton of things. I disagree with him, but he has always been so consistent. 
he's the same guy that he was, you know, when he ran for Congress, when he was the mayor of um, was it Burlington, Vermont. He's always been a lefty. He's always been a socialist. He's always been a democratic socialist. I mean, people jokingly have always called him a commie. I mean, however you want to package him, he's been that for the whole, for as long as we known him. And you got to give that guy credit, you know, because most of these politicians, whatever direction the wind is blowing is that's the way they go. Um, and he's stuck to his principles. And he... I've always respected him for that, very similarly to how I've always respected Ron Paul, who his since is retired. But he was very similar. He always stuck to his principles. And I, I largely agreed with a lot of Ron Paul's principles. That's why I always liked him a heck of a lot more than Bernie. But for both of them, I, I respected the fact that they were so consistent, so principled. And I also thought that Bernie, what he you know, a lot of these politicians, you don't know what they say is, do they really believe what they're saying? Like, that's one of the things with Elizabeth Warren. I thought a lot of the stuff that she was saying, she didn't really believe. I thought it was very calculated messaging to to raise her political profile. I think what Bernie talks about is what he really believes. It's true. It's it's pure of heart. And I, I, I you can tell that, that authenticity comes through. And I gave him great credit for that. Um I have a lot of friends that really like Bernie Sanders, uh, friends that I went to college with, friends that I know on the Internet um, that just really, really respect Bernie. And and these are very intelligent people um, that really back Bernie Sanders. And I figured, OK, people that I respect like Bernie so it gave it brought me up. I would respect Bernie more. I still disagree with so many of his policies, but there were a lot of things that I always agreed with Bernie on. Like he was very much for a far less aggressive foreign policy. You know, he was against the Iraq War and a lot of other these you know these warmongering missions. He's opposed them, which. I'm on board with that for sure. Um, so I really like that. He's always been, um, you know, for legalizing marijuana, ending the foolish war on drugs. Fantastic. I'm very much aligned with that message as well. He's always been for criminal justice reform. And, and you know, he's he's seen a lot of the racial disparity in the way the law is, is played out. Um, and a lot of, you know, so-called laws, people are in jail for ridiculous crimes, um, he wanted to reform that. Again, big thumbs up from me from on that point with Bernie. But probably of all of them, the one that I really, really respected him for was he was so aggressive fighting against the corporate powers. And, you know, it wasn't just – sometimes maybe he went a little further than I would. But he would really go after this lobbying that goes on in Washington, D.C., the corporate influence, the way the corporations are buying a lot of these politicians, essentially. And he was aggressively always fighting back against that. And, and think about what's happening now with these bailouts. I mean, this is the kind of thing that he's always been talking about, where the corporations end up being the big winners of these stimulus packages. They're the ones that get rescued, but the little people are the ones that are left on the side of the road. And so I've always had great respect for the guy, even though like a lot of his other policies, I had huge problems with, um, you know, like the, the you know, essentially uh, Medicare for all and the erasing of college debt and um, free tuition for college. I mean, all these other policies that he had, it was just like unlimited money. And he was going to tax everybody dramatically, um, especially going after rich people, which I thought was just very punitive um, and very distorted. 
So uh, there were a lot of things that I disagree with him on. But I, I do I still have a degree of respect. But he had to step down. He finally realized he couldn't win the deal. And it's it's crazy because the, the, the so-called corporate Dems, you know, the progressive wing, the left wing, the Bernie Sanders, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, those folks get a lot of play in the media. But in the end, they don't have the power base of the Democratic Party and they're left on the outside again. And so – this is why I've often said that the Republicans and Democrats are so similar in so many ways. And it's because of the corporate Democrats and the corporate Republicans that come together. I think Trump is sort of a, a slight, um, how should I say, uh, a, a spin on the corporate Republicans. Uh, Bernie, very different than the corporate Democrats. But, you know, 90 percent of those two parties are right in line on all the policies. Um but I, now my, one of my buddies who's a big Bernie guy, he's saying the Democratic Party is lost um, You know, for his cause, the progressive cause. There's nothing there. And he's – you know, they've talked about Brexit, you know, exiting uh, – Britain exiting the EU. He's talking about a Dem exit of these progressives leaving the party because they've just had it. And then it makes you wonder, is the progressive – uh, movement doomed. I mean, they've made great progress in getting their agenda out. I mean, so many of the candidates on the on the stage for president were, you know, repeating a lot of the things that Bernie has been talking about forever. And now Bernie's gone. So you think, do do things like Medicare for all and uh, all the other Bernie policies, do they have hope or are they going to be dead? Um, it's interesting to think about it. And look what we're left with, man. We're left with Biden against Trump in 2020. It's just like 2016, Hillary versus Trump. And you're thinking, how does it end up like this? You know, two candidates, speaking for myself, two candidates, I don't like either of them. Two candidates, I got big problems with both of them for different reasons. And it's uh, it just there's such a desperate need for an alternative, whether it's an independent or a third party or somebody that can break up this Republican Democratic duopoly. And, you know, we need to see ranked choice voting. We need to see um, more than two podiums in the October presidential debates. We need to have reform of the system. We're going to keep getting stuck with two bad choices every cycle. And now we're looking at that same thing again in 2020. Now, there, speaking of Biden, now there's one other like tangent I want to talk about. And again, one of my buddies, so I tell you, he's a big Bernie guy. He's always been watching this cable, uh, not cable, but it's a YouTube um, TV program, news program. It's very left wing, very progressive, and it's called Rising. And it's and there's two hosts. It's a Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. And yeah, her name is Crystal Ball with a K, Crystal Ball. And um, these two are hardcore lefties. And they give their spin on the news. They're way more left than Rachel Maddow, way more left than any of those people on MSNBC. I'll tell you what, um, Crystal Ball ripped Alyssa Milano on this whole uh, Me Too movement because remember, Alyssa Milano was so aggressively against um, the nomination of um, Supreme Court uh, Justice um, Kavanaugh. And because of Kavanaugh's checkered past, you know, he'd been accused of assaulting a woman. The woman there actually, 
you know, testified that she had been assaulted. And Milano was there in the background at the Senate hearings and was just so aggressively for the Me Too movement. And then suddenly Joe Biden was just um, being accused of a Me Too accusation from a number of years ago. And now Alyssa Milano is suddenly silent. And then she was challenged on it by some other news reporter, and then she gave some kind of a wishy-washy answer to it. And it proved the hypocrisy that she was me too, but only if it applied to a Republican, not if it applied to a Democrat. And this crystal ball was fantastic. I mean, and this was a lefty really going after another lefty for their hypocrisy on the issue. And it was very well done. And um, Crystal Ball is actually is very smart, very, very um, uh, good presentation. And um, I, I thought it was fantastic. So um, my, my friend, his name is Mitchell. He has um, been urging me to watch this uh, rising. It's from The Hill, which is another online publication. It's one of their, their video presentations. It's just like a news set that they do. Um, and he's been urging me to watch it. I never watched it because I knew it was going to be very left wing. But then suddenly it was Alyssa Milano. I figured, OK, I'll, this one I'll check out. And it was something. So in the end, OK, we're going to be left with Biden against Trump. And I'm not going to support either of them. There's just no way. Um And I'm wondering if there's going to be a third party, if there's going to be an independent. There probably won't be. And I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, when it comes to the presidential election in 2020. I don't know. But I know this. All of this, I just can't control it. I, I mean, all of these, there's bigger forces that are going on in the world around me. I can't control it. All I can control is me. So I just got to live my life. I got to live my life to the best of my abilities. I've got to pursue my own happiness. I've got to go out there and build my business, support my family, work in my community, and do what I can to make my life as best as it can be so I can flourish. It's easy to get caught up in the politics of it. And granted, I like talking about politics because it has a lot of impact on culture. But in the end, these politicians themselves, you know, how much impact do they have on your life? Well, they, they do in some ways a great deal, but in other ways, not much at all. But in the end, you know you can't control any of it. I mean, you, you get to vote, be a one vote. And you know in the state of California, it's going to go to the Democrats in the Electoral College. It doesn't matter if you vote or not. California is going to give all of its Electoral College votes to the Democratic candidate, stone cold lock. So you can vote, but it really doesn't matter um, in this case. So – um, you know, I, I think voting is important. I vote all the time. But um, in the end, you can't depend on that. You can't keep voting and hoping the system is going to change. I know the Bernie supporters, you know, they're out there. They, they believe in Bernie and they want his his messaging and they've been out there voting, but they just didn't have enough. But in the end, you've got to control what you can control. And so you got to live your life to the best you can. And even when you're given two crappy choices, Maybe you choose one of the crappy choices. Maybe you write in someone else. Maybe there's a third party to elect. Maybe there's someone else to vote on. But don't put all your eggs into that basket hoping a politician is going to save your life. A politician is going to transform your world. Because um, like Julie Mason says on Sirius XM channel 124 POTUS, she says, never fall in love with a politician. They will always disappoint you. And that is for sure. Um, Okay, so – 
I will invite you to follow me on Facebook on John Riley Project. I've got the Insiders Group there, John Riley Project Insiders Group. It's a closed group. You've got to answer a couple of questions. I let everyone in. Let's continue the conversation online. You can look me up on Twitter, John Riley Poway. And um, hey, if you want to subscribe to our mailing list, go to John Riley. Excuse me, John Riley Project dot com slash subscribe. Get on our mailing list. We uh, send out a monthly newsletter and keep you posted on some of the things we're working on on this podcast project. Now I got a great closing quote, and this is from George Carlin. And this is perfect. You know, we were talking about this stimulus bill and the cronyism and the big corporations, the way they're distorting the system and the way they are getting the rewards and little guys are fighting for the scraps and this is from one of his stand-up routines. And George Carlin is just uh, – I, I, we miss him. I mean, imagine the commentary George Carlin could be given today. It would be fabulous. What a guy. What a talent. Uh, not just a comedian, but a man that was like a – you know, really a, common, a, a commentator on, on society. And this is a, a long quote, but it's from one of his stand-up routines. You may have, you may have remembered it. But I, I think it's great, and it fits what I've been talking about in this podcast. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations that have long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pocket and they own all of the big media companies. So they control just about all the news and the information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They spend billions of dollars every year lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. Is perfect. So he's right. I mean, this is mostly right. There's a couple of things I, I take exception to. But yeah, the politicians, um, you know, to a great degree, forget them. In, in many cases, they're just puppets. They're being manipulated by those big money interests that own the large corporations and have rigged the system to their benefit. That's why Joe Biden largely is going to be the nominee because he got that corporate backing. Uh, because the corporations, the establishment didn't want Bernie, the revolutionary, coming in for the Democrats. So the whole system is rigged. And we've talked about how the, the elections are rigged. I did a whole podcast on that last year. But he, I will take one exception to what Carlin said. He says, they own you. Well, they don't own you. You own you. You own yourself. Your life is yours to live. They're trying to make you sacrifice so they can benefit. They're trying to take your money to enrich them. They want you to fall on the sword so they end up being rescued and saved during this crisis. They want to own you, but in the end, you own yourself. You have to stand up for what's right. You have to go after that money that's on the table. That's why I'm so aggressively trying to figure out these stimulus packages for small businesses. Um, This corporatism is a noble fight. And this is another reason I give Bernie great credit. I never vote for Bernie in a million years, but I would 
support them on this level. The, the corporations, the lobbying, the way that President Trump has a $500 billion corporate slush fund that he can hand out to all of his cronies, just ridiculous. And Carlin knows it. Carlin called it out. It's a great quote for the end of what now is episode number 125 of the John Riley Project. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And please subscribe and we'll see you later, folks. Bye-bye. 